Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to It's Rainmaking Time. This is Kim Greenhouse. It gives me great pleasure to welcome Joe Noonan to the show today. He is the founder of Planetary Partners at planetarypartners.com. I'm very interested in his work. He does so many different things. And one of them is custom trips, swimming in the wild with dolphins. His dolphin videos on YouTube have had over 200,000 views. They're adorable. I have such a profound love of dolphins. I want to hear more about them. I have a great concern on what's happening in Japan with them. And if anybody can talk to us about the marvel of dolphins, it's Joe Noonan. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome Joe Noonan to It's Rainmaking Time. Good afternoon. Oh, Kim, thank you. It's uh, an honor to be on your show. I, I've uh, listened and looked. I mean, you have had so many people speak on so many wonderful things. I'm really honored to to be on your show and to talk about probably one of the greatest things I love to talk about because talking about dolphins is almost as good as being in the water next to them. <laughs> First of all, thank you for what you've said. I've had one opportunity a few years ago. My girlfriend took me to SeaWorld to just be in the water and touch dolphins. I felt like it was the most profound appetizer and I also know that with my love of dolphins, I need to get in the water with them in the wild. And that's something you do that other people don't often do. And I'd like you to share that with us first, if you wouldn't mind. Sure, sure. Well, um, Kim, I like you, and I think most people have, I mean, we basically have an instant joyful reaction to any images of dolphins. I mean, I, you know, I, I grew up watching Flipper and, and uh, I think cross-cultural and you take anybody, any part of the world, and you show them a photo of a dolphin, and they smile. It's automatic. And um, I was blessed to have my own direct experience in Hawaii. I actually was living in New England at the time, and I flew to Hawaii specifically to go into the ocean because I'd heard that, you know, there were places where uh, you could swim with the wild dolphins. And, um, you know, Kim, I got in the water... I went day after day after day, and there were no dolphins. And uh, <laughs> I got, yeah, yeah, I got quite. Uh, you went into a dolphinless ocean. How could that be? Absolutely. <laughs> well, you know, I, I really have come to recognize that everything in life is perfect, and everything has its timing. And I thought my appetite to swim with them, I thought I arrived with it already revved up. But let me tell you, after five days of looking for him on the sixth day I was ready and that was the day they were in the bay wow and um, oh Kim it was I mean I, I get goosebumps just talking about it it's one of the things of the many things that happened I mean it's a it's a beautiful story and um, basically uh, you know I got in the water and these six dolphins swam up to me and looked me right in the eye and when you're in the water and a wild dolphin or a whale comes up and looks you in the eye. There's a there's a transmission that takes place. There's a there's a connection that people stumble for words to describe. And uh, after many years, I, I think the closest description I can say is that in addition to this total wave of cellular exuberance and this ecstatic energy of oh my god. There's, there's also a very profound sense of recognition. 
And it took me a long time to be able to understand that. It's a sense of recognition. It gave me a sense of belonging that I don't think I had ever felt in my life. That I was seen by this beautiful creature who was very sentient, very present, very alive. And I felt seen in a way that really opened something up for me. And I, I got out of the water that day, a changed man. Aren't they considered the carriers, the transmitters of pure love? Like when you're in the water with them, that that's the transmission? People tell me that. Is that true? Absolutely. And I think that that's something that's available on some level. So are we. We're spiritual beings having a human experience. And our essence is pure love. And of course, we're, we're down here on the game of, you know, good and bad, right and wrong, light and dark. Dolphins don't have that same polarity, or they don't have that same intent for being here. I actually believe that they're spiritual beings having a dolphin experience. And they're here to be of love and assistance and to help us remember the truth of who we are. I think that's profound. You know, they always have a smile on their face. <laughs> they do, they do. And it's a, it's a biological, I mean, it's, it's, you know, how they've grown and... um I mean, dolphins throughout history have treated us as, uh, in a sense, uh, a, a younger cousin, because they've consistently come to our aid, even even at their own risk, such as you know, uh, inter interfering with a shark attack and and uh, and putting themselves in harm's way, and um, and when you watch, if you have watched footage of what's going on in. In Japan and I have and I can't bear it I literally can't bear it and that's the only place I would say that I can't agree that everything is perfect it's in instances like that there's nothing perfect about the killing and the violating and the torturing of these animals or any really well it's clear even when the fishermen are in the water and have them in the shallows and on the beach um, and and they're literally cutting them you know, slicing their throat and whatnot. The dolphins, which have are fully capable of self-defense, fully uh, don't bite. They don't bite. I think that they're, um, it's for me another example of um, their commitment to come from love. As you know, we humans anthropomorphize so many things. And in the years past, I probably would have said we're imposing our human translation on what they're doing. But for someone who spent as much time with them as you have, I can really hear that now. You know, Kim, I, I agree. I mean, it is very natural for us, just like, you know, we've put, we've, we've done the same thing with God. We've made God with two arms, two legs and very judgmental, you know, and, uh, but dolphins, I've had enough experiences that I just time and again, I just experience them as having a profound generosity of spirit such that uh, I've been in the water swimming with them. And um, again, I, you know, I only bring people to swim with wild dolphins and, uh, and have had a mom and calf come over and, and the mom and baby. And of course, as they come, typically mom comes and, and the baby's on the outside of mom. And in the process of swimming with them, slowly, you know, the baby drops down and she's under mom. And then at a certain point, you know, the baby, mom lets the baby come up between us. 
And I have even had, and I remember the first time this happened, I was in Hawaii. Because Hawaii and the Bahamas are two of the main places I bring groups and families. Um, You know, I was just in love with this mom and baby and played with them for several hours when all of a sudden mom took off and I was left with the baby. And I can remember just this, oh my God, it's like the first time I'd ever been babysitting. And I got that, you know, they were, they were totally, I mean, everything they do is delivered. I, you know, I have just, um, bestowed upon them, uh, to whatever extent they're willing, the, the full right to coach and educate me because, uh, they're incredibly intuitive, incredibly sentient, incredibly spiritually aware beings. Would you explain to the audience the word sentient? Because you've used it a few times. I know what it means, but maybe some people don't know what that means. Explain it, and then I want you to go on. Well, sentient is basically it has feelings. And what humanity tends to do is dehumanize each other, which is how we've justified slavery. You know, we said people different than us don't have the same kinds of feelings. And and we also, you know, many cultures and particularly scientific communities say that animals don't have feelings, that mammals don't have feelings. And, that you know, when elephants mourn and stick around right. um, the dead body for a and week. And cry. Uh, and cry. Yeah, yeah. People, and, and to even say that, um, you know, our dogs and cats and, and the animals that we know and love don't have feelings. They, they don't feel, they don't have compassion, they don't feel pain and joy and love. And, you know, that's, to me, that's just, you know, part of the uh, minds, you know, the ego minds, objectivity of the world. And the truth is, all animals, I mean, even reptiles have feelings. Indeed. Indeed. How many hours would you say you've spent with the dolphins? Um, not enough. Okay. Would you say hundreds <laughs> of hours, thousands of hours? Uh, well, I wouldn't say thousands. Um, I, I could say hundreds. I have, basically, I first had my experience 16 years ago, and and that time started leading trips. And I've, I've brought groups and um, families and corporate groups and, and spiritual groups, um, primarily to Hawaii and Bimini in the Bahamas. Do they cry? Do you find that people break down crying from their love or a healing experience with dolphins? You know, it's it's quite a variety of experiences. People, basically, what happens is when people get back on the boat, um, you know, some of them are beaming, some of them are reflective, some of them are crying. Uh, it's it's pretty profound. I, I remember I saw a TV show where Robin Williams got in the water. Uh, and they were all pumped and excited, and, and they had this incredible swim. And then Robin gets back on the boat, and the camera's in his face, and he's like, give me a minute. You know, because he's just had a very, very profound experience. And, do you ever hug them? Well, in the wild, what we do is we refrain from physically touching them, from from feeding them, or, um, you know, just there's like a barrier that we want to respect. And by keeping our arms at our sides and energetically telegraphing that, okay, I'm not going to be grabby, um, it allows them to come right up close next to us. And I have had them rub up against me. It's quite uh, 
particularly in play when we're free diving and um, and spiraling around each other. It's it's quite a magical experience. Has anybody ever gotten in the water and sang to them? <laughs> I would. Uh, well, if you listen to my YouTube videos, you'll hear this. I never heard dolphins make that sound, and I, uh, you know, I have to confess that, you know, I sing and tone and chant. I'm not even aware I do it till afterwards. Yes. So yes, and my tail wags as well. <laughs> now you know that YouTube video that you got over two hundred thousand views. How was that filmed? Who filmed that, and what did you film it in? Well, it's actually a, a series of videos that I filmed. Um, and uh, basically, I have an underwater, a small handheld camera, low-tech. Um, and I've just, I've got a number of YouTube videos. They're so darling. The dolphins are just darling. They're swimming all over the place and enjoying themselves. A lot of action. Totally. Every species is different. And, of course, every individual dolphin is unique. And and their and their moods change from day to day. Um, in Bimini, in the Bahamas, uh, one of the places I love to bring families, um, it's primarily spotted dolphins we swim with. The bottlenose dolphins are big and as big as they are, they're one of the more shy dolphins in the wild. Um, but the spotteds are very playful. They're very gregarious, and um, I mean, and that's primarily the spotteds and the spinner dolphins in Hawaii that I have footage of. So, yeah, I've just got a little handheld camera. I'm free diving, holding my breath, diving down. And, you know, when you dive underwater, you go from being a two-dimensional object on the surface to being 3D. And they love to just swim and spin around us. So that's that's a, a lot of what you see in the videos is I've just got my little handheld. And, and every now and then I remember to point it at me or point it at somebody else. But 90% of the time it's like right on the dolphins. They need to come up for air, don't they? Can they stay down for a long time? They they can stay down for for minutes and and you know extended periods of time, but just like us, they you know we share a common ancestry. They're air breathers as are we, and our common ancestor crawled up you know out of the primordial soup uh, on the land and started sucking air. And um, actually, their anatomy they. Their ancestors had um, legs and and toes, so their pec fins. If you X-ray their pec fins, it's similar to us. It's got a row of five fingers of bones. How long do they usually live? You know, they're still determining that in the wild, and okay. and there's estimates up to sixty years of age. Unfortunately, in captivity, they rarely last that long at all because, um, you know, there's to many people who who know dolphins and have had the opportunity to be with them in the wild, having dolphins in captivity is you know really raises uh, a lot of concern, and we still don't treat them with the love and respect that they deserve. So that they're often in suboptimal conditions. I know that there's been an increase in sonar on a military level, and that this disrupts their ability to function. And communicate, and probably not just them, the whales as well, and other sea life. And I was wondering what your take on that is, or if you have background about that, or. Well, you know, there's. It's easy for us to get disheartened and feel hopeless in the face of the, you know, the poor planning and and actions of of our military and governments. 
and our businesses, our corporations. You know, I mean, we've, we've basically made uh, a lot of noise and a lot of pollution in, in the oceans. And, um, and there are times when I've, well, uh, low-frequency active sonar right. has been very controversial because, you know, it's proven to kill any marine mammals, dolphins, whales, seals, within miles of its deployment. I didn't know that part. Yeah, they basically, um, and we only find that those that beach themselves, uh, most of them just die and drown, but those that beach themselves, you know, their eardrums are ruptured and their internal organs are bleeding. So, um, you know, there's many levels of concern. And uh, as concerned as I get with that, just like my concern when I went to the cove in Taiji. How could you stand going to the cove? How could you take it? Seriously, why did you go? I would never go. I wouldn't be able to handle it. Okay, well, I went to handle it. I went, again, we're spiritual beings having a human experience. I know that our planet, humanity, is awakening. And what is a part of awakening, the polarity of I'm right, you're wrong. Right, I get that. So I went for several reasons. One, because I love dolphins. And I found that I had begun to hate the fishermen. And I could see a lot of hatred and a lot of polarity and a lot of anger at Japan and their culture. And I realized that that's not going to shift anything. That's just creating more hatred. So I went as a way to integrate and to make a demonstration to the Japanese people to say, I disagree with your tradition of hunting and eating dolphins. I respect you as a people and a culture. And I did a, a healing ceremony, Ho'oponopono, um, for the Japanese people and for the cove and for all the death that has transpired. So, Kim, let me give you a, another way of looking at it. In our humanness, it's difficult to see. It's difficult to see any abuse, any suffering, any taking of life. I also can't watch any animals being slaughtered, so it's not different. Sure. Um, I just uh, am in the process of writing a blog post about that because uh, basically this world has been set up that we take life to eat. Even plants shown to have consciousness and yes. have really the same yeah. response to, to being boiled and, and chewed and diced. So we can look at human existence from the point of events, or we can look at it from the point of view of existence, a more transpersonal perspective. And I look at what, what have the saints all done. What they've done is they've taken a look at the, the comings and goings, the, the, the living and dying of life from a divine, a spiritual point of view. And from the point of eternity, it lessens. It's not a big deal because we're infinite. And I truly believe that the dolphins know this, that they're spiritual beings and they don't have the same kind of veils we do. And they, they're diving in. And I mean, when I was at the cove, I was being introduced to one of the management of the fishermen's union as the boats are driving the dolphins into the bay to be killed. And I was so torn, Kim. I want to turn and look and and watch the horror that I don't want to watch. At the same time, I'm being introduced by um, an activist who's trying to build bridges to the head or one of the heads of the fishermen's union. Now, he doesn't want to talk to us, but in his polite culture, he's just looking straight ahead. 
and my and I'm wanting to be respectful because I'm there to build a bridge. I totally get that. All this is going on. All this is going on. And what I what I got in that moment, what the invitation was for me in my humanness to hold all these seeming polarities in my heart. And in that moment to be an alchemist and to do what I think that life asks all of us when we face conflict, polarity, regardless of how we respond, to come from a place of compassion. I can hear that. I'm not sure if I was in the presence of that, I could call that up. I'm not saying it can't be, because obviously you did. I don't know that I could call up that kind of bridge building, being in the space where the horror of it is happening. I don't know that I could do it. I think that you're a saint yourself. <laughs> well, for me, it's, it's, it's being... I wasn't doing it for the fishermen or the dolphins or this and that. You know, we're all connected. We're one consciousness having an experience as six and a half billion individual fingers. And the opportunity for me is in those moments, I mean, you know, I'm an activist in different ways. You know, I will stand up and speak against things. I just choose to do it from a place of love. And so I do the work in the moment to have compassion for myself, for my humanness. I understand those fishermen. They're doing what they've done for decades, for, for generations. I understand the, the activists who, you know, who are just emotionally torn from watching the, the water turn red. I understand the fish, the fishermen's union wanting to, you know, main, I mean, it's all God having the experience of God. And for me, knowing that, I can have compassion for me, for you, for everybody. And, you know, while I forget it and I lapse and I go back into judgment, you know, my commitment is to time and again come back to compassion. And we all have within us, Kim, that witness. Of course. Part of us that, and, and as I said, everybody who's listening, you, you get an image immediately of a part of your awareness that's not from within your body, but up and behind you. It's this, it's this totally loving, compassionate, unconditional loving aspect of our eternal nature. And it witnesses everything. And so sometimes through drama, through intensity, or through, through pain or through inspiration, we're pushed there or we go there. And that wit, it's like when somebody talks about being in a car accident and it just goes really slow and they're just, um, they just have a very cool mind and they just fulfill the functions they're guided to fulfill to handle the moment. Well, that's where we're all headed is to become more consciously aware and aligned with the divinity in us that's becoming more and more fully forward in our lives. Totally understood. So what ended up happening? Well, what ended up happening was um, uh, the next day, uh, my friend communicated that I was there to do Ho'oponopono, uh, a ceremony of, of forgiveness and unification. Uh, and the next day, um, I was at the Cove, and I had six uh, officials, mostly policemen and, and some Coast Guard, come down and interview me. What's the ceremony? What are you doing? Is this a protest? Are you going to go in and try and cut the nets? Are you going to, 
you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And, uh, and I explained that I'm here because most of Japan sees activists on behalf of the dolphins literally as terrorists. They, we're all pigeonholed in that we hate Japan, we hate Japanese, and we want to be destructive. And that, to me, part of my intent was, look, you know, I'm, I'm here to advocate other ways. I'm here to ask you to stop hunting. I'm not going to stop you. I actually come uh, with great love and respect. So um, actually I got to do the ceremony, um, I think it was two days after that, uh, and actually um, there were some Japanese people there, and uh, it was translated, and um, one of the heads of the Fisherman's Union um, comment that it was, you know, they were very, very interested. And, and let me share this with you, Kim. This was, oh my God, a highlight of my trip. There's an activist there, uh, a Japanese individual who's a, a right wing, um, and uh, he's known for, uh, you know, his loudspeakers. Uh, he came, and, um, and I have this holy water that I use that's from sacred sites around the world, uh, and it's been blessed by thousands and thousands of people. And, and, um, I invited him to bless it, and he went. I had made a circle of stones uh, on the beach uh, on low tide, and he went and he said, "Please, no cameras." And he went over, and he went into the center of the circle, and he went down on one knee, and he held that bottle with reverence, and he paused, and then he turned to me, and he said, "You are asking me to do what is in the song, Imagine." I sometimes am at a loss for words to share that story. But in that moment, that man's humility, his love, his recognition of all this, it's all to help us remember that we're one people. How often do you go back to Japan? I, it was my first trip, and I'm working on a possible trip this summer. And it would be specifically to uh, for light workers for people who were who were excited to uh, to bring light and to champion, um, I'm looking to go to Futo, Japan, where um, Ishisan, a, a former dolphin hunter, stopped hunting dolphins and now leads dolphin tours to go and highlight his work so the Japanese people are more aware of what he's doing, and then for us to go to Taiji and um, and just do some ceremony, uh, bless the cove. To just, in a sense, just be a healing presence, and um, and to invite those who who wish to acknowledge and affirm um, our our oneness to join us, and uh, you know, not everybody may understand what we're doing, but I know on a quantum level, on an energetic level, yes. we're building and we're empowering and we're strengthening a morphic wave of oneness and awakening that's already going full steam and is. And the emergence into our collective consciousness is just continuing to grow. You're strengthening the morphogenic field, correct? Yes, of, of our collective oneness. I actually see Taiji as a place in the future where groups come to celebrate all that has taken place. That, that the dolphins who have given their lives there have given their lives to help wake us up to what we're doing, to them, to our oceans, to each other. And that 
at some point it will stop and and it, it will be i this is what i see is one future reality one potential reality that it's actually a pilgrimage point not to go and say oh so much suffering took place but, because i think the dolphins who die there know what they're doing i think that there's spiritual beings having a, a, a dolphin experience and, and they're I mean, they know they're eternal. It's not as big a deal for them to come and go. I can totally relate to that. I think, though, that the way that you go, <laughs> you know, it's a sacrilege. And the reality is that you're probably right. It will be a pilgrimage place. And I think that what you're inputting into the morphogenic field is going to have a ripple effect. The question will be how long. And by holding peace, by holding love and compassion and bringing it over and calling it forth to be a bridge of communication between whoever is visiting and the Japanese people regarding this particular practice will do nothing but illuminate the area. It's a question of time. It doesn't mean it's not heart-wrenching to be part of. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, it is... Uh, we're going to go in the summer. I mean, they don't hunt. They, they've just ended the hunt for this season. They won't. Um, they typically don't hunt through till September. And uh, we'll also go in the summer because it's warm enough to get in the water. But um, you know, Kim, the dolphins and whales, actually all animals, and I think all of life, is lovingly reminding, inviting, and assisting us to awaken. You know, these are marvelous times. They're intense. They're stressful. There are times, you know, when we just, you know, there's the energies are increasing and our physical biology sometimes is just stressed to integrate all this. And I get it. We've done it. We've made the shift. And now all we're doing is we're just playing it out. That's beautiful. That's really beautiful. Do you have... Any stories to share with us about your water ceremonies? Absolutely. And explain what you do with the water ceremonies. Well, it started, um, I used to uh, work a lot with flower essences and homeopathy. and uh, I've been bringing groups of people into nature for 20 plus years. I, I used to do it for several different outward bound schools, and I, I started Planetary Partners many years ago. And uh, I would bring rescue remedy, bark flower rescue remedy. And if somebody got stressed or sunburnt or upset, you know, I'd just give them a couple of drops of that under the tongue. And um, and I found very powerful. Even, uh, you know, I've, I've had like a bird hit a window uh, and just picking up, holding my palm and just putting a drop of rescue remedy on its beak and it licks it. And then, you know, you can just see its eyes brighten and then moments later it flies off. Joe, can you explain what the Bach flower remedies are and the flower essences? Because a lot of people may have heard of it and know what it is, but a lot of other people don't know what it is. We all recognize that herbs have qualities uh, and abilities to influence our biology, physically and, and also emotionally. And um, chamomile tea to calm us down, peppermint to, to quiet our stomach, and uh, and uh, St. John's wort to, to calm our nerves. And flower essences are a distillation of the energetic quality of each plant and uh, and even minerals. So um, so what they do is they create a, a distillation 
and they they actually potentize it by diluting it. And uh, it works in the law of similars. So anyways, Bach flowers are was designed by a, a, a physician, Mr. Bach, in uh, England. And basically he would soak uh, flowers of different plants and trees in water, make a distillation, and found that that distillation, in fact, was a vehicle to, to transport those qualities and give, assist people. So... Um, Homeopathy is a very simple, very powerful way to, you know, to provide assistance to, to us in times of change. So what I did, Kim, was I, I also had some Green Hope Farm rescue remedy, and I mixed the two. And then I, was, um, I brought a group to um, Panther Meadows in, in uh, Mount Shasta, and I took some water from Pan- the Panther Spring and added it to it. And then I when I was in the bringing a group to the healing hole on one of my dolphin trips in Bimini, Edgar Casey said there would be upwellings of fresh water found in Bimini more healing than the water at Lourdes. And that's the healing hole. So I took some water from the healing hole. And I began taking all these different um, healing properties and adding it to this bottle and then potentizing and saving it and, and preserving it. And I even bring it into the ocean with me on a string and, and let the dolphins scan it and, and put their intent into it. And, uh, and then I learned of the work of Dr. Moto, and I found that, um, you know, why not create a ceremony? So I've taken this water and I've, I've, people have given me water from around the world. I've, I've gotten water from my travels and, you know, Cusco, the belly button of the universe, <laughs> and, uh, the, the chalice well in Glastonbury. Have you been to Lourdes? I haven't. Okay. But I do have water from Lourdes. Wow. And I and I have um, people. Somebody gave me water from John of God in Brazil, and uh, you know from many many countries and and um, many spots. And I've so I've brought this water and I carry it in a homeopathic tincture. Then I'll fill a water bottle and put some of the tincture in it. And and in different ceremonies, I've I've spoken at a number of conferences, and then I'll just invite people to put their love and thanks into the water. And um, and if it's a group of a hundred or less, we'll actually pass it around and ask everybody to just say a word. And it is such a beautiful message because it's it's affirming that we all have something to give. And then I take this water, and when I'm traveling, I I mean I put some in the cove. I put some of this holy water with love and blessings from people, thousands of people around the world, into the cove. And I also took some drops of water from the cove and put it into the bottle. It's, it's, I, let me share with you, I did it uh, with a, a, a group of school children in Chicago, uh, Bowie School, and um, it's actually on, I have a video on YouTube of this water ceremony uh, and many different groups blessing it. It's, it's a very fun ceremony. There's a lot of laughter because at the end, after everybody's blessed it, well, the bottle I've got is a spray bottle. So we just, you know, spray each other. And, and when, uh, when you bring out a spray bottle, it totally brings out the five-year-old and everybody. Indeed. Indeed. I saw that. That was great. <laughs> so you're on your way to India. When? Yes, I leave um, in about two weeks. Do you know when you'll be back to do some dolphin trips? Well, um, I have uh, several trips scheduled um, this summer, May and June, and um, 
And of course, I have trips that are for families or groups where it's just specifically for them, you know, but I do have some open trips. And um, the best thing to do is, uh, if somebody wants to know about these trips, is to get on the email list, the Planetary Partners email list. And um, that way uh, you'll know, because I, you know, I, there's a lot of other things I do in addition to trips. Yes, I know. You do coaching and team building and all kinds of other things. When people are coming on board these trips, do they have to be trained in snorkeling or do they have a whole suit on? Are they going, like, are they skin diving? How is this happening? It's really simple. And uh, I have people of all ages and abilities come. Lots of non-swimmers, although some of those non-swimmers end up becoming swimmers. I typically do a five or six day trip. And um, in Hawaii, um, you know, we, I, I, I rent a house and we stay in the house. Or Hawaii, actually, sometimes we camp right on the beach. And uh, five or six days, literally right on the sand, um, in tents, cooking on a picnic table and, uh, and swimming with the dolphins right in the bay. Uh, and in Bimini, it's, it's typically cottages or basically um, a home right right on the water. And, um, yeah, we just come together, and uh, first day we go over snorkeling. And I teach people who are uncomfortable in the water, I teach them how to be comfortable, and we get them life preservers or whatever. And basically when people learn that you can float and that you don't need to exert effort to, to be safe, that you can literally just lay on the surface and float, there's a shift that takes place. There's this beautiful, visceral letting down. And uh, for me, it's like a rebirth to see somebody. Uh, I remember I had an executive. Uh, I had the, the um, officers, the executive team of Applebee's, um, uh, who I've worked with over the years, uh, come uh, and spend four days in Bimini. And I had this one executive who couldn't swim. Uh, and what I did was I got him in a life vest, in a mask and snorkel, and we started in water he could stand up in, so he got comfortable laying on his, you know, laying down and putting his face in the water. And then I just towed him. I just towed him around. And um, and over the course of the next couple of days, and, and this was a man in his um, early 60s, uh, he got comfortable, and with a mask, snorkel, and fin, it's very easy to be in the ocean because you don't have to lift your head up. You can just watch the beauty unfolding before you and below you. Uh, and he learned to swim. And um, he said it was, you know, it was a very, very pivotal moment in his life. So it's um, really, you don't need anything. All you need is a, is a desire to, uh, for adventure, a desire to connect to the dolphins and, and to um, be immersed in the ocean. And it's, because, I mean, I've done it with children as, as young as six months. Have you ever had people say to you, I'm so excited to swim with dolphins and to see them and be near them, but I'm scared of sharks? <laughs> uh, I'd say probably about 95%. How do you deal with that? Well, first of all, it's rare to see a shark. You're lucky if you do. And sharks are way more afraid of us than we are of them. You're more likely, you're 18 times more likely to be killed by a falling airplane part than you are to be killed by a shark. Uh, and of course, when you're with the dolphins, 
there's no sharks around because sharks don't mess with dolphins. Is that true? Because one time I was watching a YouTube video and this, I think it was a whale that went after a dolphin, one dolphin, but probably not a shark. It was a whale. Big okay, whale. well, pilot whales, orcas. I think it was as big as an orca. Huge, huge. But sharks are scared of them. Well, I mean, sharks do attack dolphins. And that they're, other than man, it's their largest predator. But that's typically in deep water at night when a lot of dolphins do most of their hunting. When we swim with them, we swim with them during the day, and we swim with them in clear water where we can see. And in the Bahamas, or, or in Hawaii, it's, it's basically over sandy bottom. And when the pod is together, and uh, when the pod's together during the day in clear water, uh, the sharks stay away because it's... Their safety in numbers? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's, it's, it's extremely weird. Now, we do see a type of shark called a nurse shark, and they actually hang out with the bottlenose dolphins because the bottlenose dolphins feed in the bottom. And the nurse sharks uh, follow after them and eat their scraps. The nurse sharks don't even have teeth. They just have, they're, they have, they're like sucker fish. They have a, you know, they have grinding plates at the bottom underneath their head that they scoop up. So, uh, you know, people get over that fear. And, uh, I mean, people have fear of the ocean. I do. I used to swim in it all the time, and now I'm like, oh, God. But actually, my love of dolphins is going to bring me in. You know, Kim, I had a fear of the ocean, and it was exactly that. It was my love of dolphins that got me past my fear. So much so, and I spent so much time swimming with dolphins, that I ended up falling in love with the ocean. Well, I love the ocean. I absolutely love the ocean, and I've gone on cruises, and I've gone out in the ocean, and I've swam in the ocean. But over the years, I like to look at the ocean and not to be in the ocean. <laughs> but swimming with dolphins would definitely get me back. And that's where you come in. <laughs> yes, yes, absolutely. Well, I see us in the future with uh, you're, you're with us on a trip, and you're in the water, and you're just celebrating the fact that not only do you love the ocean, but you're loving being totally immersed in it. I'm very excited about it. I'm very excited about the work that you're doing and the way that you're doing what you're doing and who you are in it. And I know that you have your own show as well on Blog Talk Radio. Talk about that. Well, it's, it's, there's a number of things that I do to communicate. My, my big picture message is life is a celebration. And after years of being a psychotherapist, and many different kinds, you know, I used to do healing with the laying on of hands, and um, I've, I've done many ways to bring people back to a state of wellness. Basically, whatever I learned, I would then teach. And what I've learned is our attention is our gift to life. And when we focus on our problems, they grow. And when we focus on what we love, it grows. And the greatest gift we can give to life is to follow our passion. So I have a, a radio show, Celebration of Life, on uh, Blog Talk Radio, and I have a, a blog, A Joyful Nature, and I have a YouTube channel, Celebrating 108, and I'm actually uh, in the process of um, finishing my book, A Whole New World of Creation, where I share some of the magical stories, including the story of my, my first encounter with the dolphins. All is a way, Kim, because, because we are one. When we hear somebody's story, we can't help but put ourselves into it. Indeed. And it's because we are one. And so what I do is I just, uh, I just finished a story about taking my son 
out on a fishing trip and um and and the connection that we made um, it it's it's different ways to communicate are and and give permission and in a sense excite vibrate resonate that joy and uh i mean the the simplest way to raise your energy and to prove your looks is to smile and it really is that simple so i advocate and champion and uh, and uh celebrate life in its many venues and in in all the different ways i'm called and uh you know it's a real blessing to me to be able to you know to have come to a point when i realized that um you know uh, we're spiritual beings having a human experience and and uh that the path that calls the loudest to me is the path of joy it's a great pleasure and an honor to have you as our guest today Ladies and gentlemen, we have been talking with, learning from, and listening to Joe Noonan, the founder of Planetary Partners at planetarypartners.com. He is a champion of swimming with wild dolphins and takes groups and families to swim with them. He's a wonderful storyteller. Joe, thank you so much for being on the show today. Kim, it's a pleasure. You know, I love what you're up to. I love what you're doing. You just bring us such leading edge speakers and when i hear it's rain making time i smile because i know that you're you're bringing us yet another mirror in the form of a fellow human being to remind us of the magnificence of who we really are thank you thank you so much tell the children as you go on your trips it's rain making time for me look what happens to their faces when you tell them it's rain making time that's how it started <laughs> that's beautiful that's thank beautiful. you so much joe Kim, I look forward to um, being in the ocean with you and introducing you to the dolphins. Very, very soon. God bless you. God bless you. Thanks. Thanks again.